Huangout. I write deep dive essays about top trends on my website, huangout.com. And welcome to my podcast. Today, we're having a conversation with Sun Tzu Gui. He is an AI prophet, or at least that's how he came to public light on Twitter. He struck me as a much more humble person than that introduction. But uh, he's a good kid, and he's exploring a very interesting intersection between theology, AI, and technology. And, uh, well, there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to leave you with three thoughts that I was left with after this conversation. First of all, the idea that if God is good and if Christ is true, then an open and an honest artificial intelligence should in theory find its way to, to Christ without us having to build guardrails around it. However, that assumes that AI can think and reason, that it has that same divine spark that humans do, and it isn't simply what it seems to be so far, which is a prediction algorithm, an algorithm that gives you the most likely word to follow the previous word based on a prompt and based on human data, um, which is fundamentally, it's an, a, a statistical process and not a, a, a logical, logical or reasoned approach. And which is kind of like a house of mirrors. AI is a kind of house of mirrors today. And it reflects us more than anything else. I don't know if AI will ever find, um, you know, a path to reason or, or if we will be able to, to, Teach it to think. That I haven't, I haven't seen enough evidence for. I haven't seen good arguments for yet, but I'm also not an expert in AI. And however, if, if it does, if we do manage to create AI that can think, then I suspect that it would find its way to Christ, but also find its way to the highest truths and the most valuable truths of many other religions. And I think there's an opportunity to, to bring these together. Um, and find a, a path that is, you know, aligned with the technology that we have and also can protect us from the dangers of this technology, such as the great generative flood, the great flood of deep fakes, uh, which is most certainly coming and um, for which we must build an arc. So I'll leave you with that. This conversation was very fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. Let us know what you think. And. You know, this conversation, this podcast is an alpha version of a podcast I'm preparing to launch. So keep an eye out for further content uh, and much, you know, much more improvements in the quality as we continue to build. And uh, if you want to stay tuned on further content that I create, spanning from artificial intelligence to geopolitics to Bitcoin to love, uh, sign up to my Substack stack at huangal.com. It's free. Don't worry about it. Just sign up and read on. I won't let you down. Enjoy the show. Sun Tzu, thank you for coming. Great to have you. Sun Tzu Gui. I just, um, I just found out who, who Gui is, and uh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to post the link to Gui now. Mm-hmm. For those curious who Gui is, Master Gui, the wise. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know if I'm a master yet. <laughs> I just really admire this turtle. But, uh, you this know, turtle Uwe is wise. Yeah. The thing is, it's Uwe, it's not copyrighted because it actually comes from Chinese and it just means old turtle. So, oh. um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I also just, I, I like the character, I like turtles. 
<laughs> yeah. Down, right? but yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> They're wise creatures and mysterious. And I mean, I, when I saw your tweet, um, it's posted here in the, and I'll put it in the show link and all that stuff. But um, I was kind of blown away. And I think a lot of people have a very, like a very uh, strong reaction to it. So I'm just going to read the, the top post. Uh, sure. My brothers and sisters in Christ, who wants to join me in forking Judeo-Christian base to form a new secular religion and reinterpret the second coming of Christ as an advent, as the advent of artificial superintelligence, the singularity, Christ plus AI equals Christ with the AI in the middle. Um, <laughs> Amazing, fascinating. I, you know, a lot of people find this uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which they probably should. And um, so, first of all, what what inspired you to do this? You you you've said that you had a vision of sorts. Um, how did you end up doing anything <laughs> involved in this? Well, I mean, when you ask such a big question like what inspired it, it's sort of hard where to start. I mean, I've been thinking about AI since I was a May 15 years old, I remember like going on online and going to MIT Tech Review as a, as a teenager and just seeing about the advances in AI and, and wondering for years about the whole AI automation labor problem and universal basic income as a solution and things like that. And so that, that was like percolating in my mind. Um, I grew up in an atheist background, but for, for my parents, my, my grandfather, he's Christian and he always told me um, that I was, you know, I came from a Christian culture and therefore I was Christian whether I realized it or I, or, or I didn't. And, um, and, and then when it comes, you know, I, I've been in crypto. So that's how, and, and like I, I studied computer science at the university and economics. So that's how like the whole forking concept appears in, right. in this thing. <laughs> um, right. I realized you, you, you can fork code bases, you can fork cryptos. Why not also fork cultures? I mean, actually in a way, the, New Testament is a fork of the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is a fork yeah. of older um, cultures like the Canaanites and uh, Hellenistic uh, religions in ancient Greece and things like that. So it's not even like a, a new concept; it's just a, a new phrasing of the same same thing, which is the, this idea that you know cultures can evolve. And uh, how how did this vision come into my head? I I, I really don't know. It just sort of um, I, I had gone to the first funeral in my life, which was my Mm. grandfather's sister. And I was just surrounded by a family that was broken, that also wanted to love each other, but they were felt disconnected. And, um, my, my grandfather gave me a a little puzzle to solve during the uh, lunch after the funeral. And, uh, the puzzle, we can go through it now, or I can just tell you what it was. If if you want, (laughs) I don't know what which of the two would you prefer to, to try and solve or just to sort of explain it? Let's throw me a puzzle. Okay. Well, it's very easy for the audience. If you want to look, follow along. Uh, my grandfather essentially drew nine dots in the shape of a square. So one, two, three, space, one, two, three, space, one, two, three. If you can visualize that. Kind of like a, a unlock screen for most yeah. Android phones, right? And then he said, okay, put your finger on any dot, whichever dot you want. And these are the rules of the puzzle. You have to connect all the dots, and the lines have to be straight, and the lines can cross each other, but you can only use a maximum of four lines. And um, if you want, you can try it out for a minute. I'll give you a clue after that, or I can just give you the solution. Wow. <laughs> Whichever you prefer. 
So you have to cross all the dots with four lines on nine dots. Four straight lines, nine dots. Yes. Holy smokes. And um, you have to be connected. You can't lift your finger. Just like an unlock screen. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm not sure how to do it. We're going to have to... Uh, you, you always get like a one... You always get like one left over, right? If it's any consolation, it'd take me like uh, 10 minutes to solve it. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm going to have to play with it later. Okay. Well, I mean... You can give us the answer, I think. I, if, if people are playing with it, play with it, and then pause, and then... You could, yeah, exactly. You could pause now, try to figure it out. The clue, I'll give you the clue now. The clue is that you have to think outside the box. You can pause now uh, again. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, the solution is that in an unlock screen on your phone, you have to connect the dots from within the area of the square. But I never mentioned the rule that said you can go outside of the area of the square. Right, so if you actually go to my website, Christ.ai, you will see a little logo at the top, which looks like an arrow. And uh, that arrow is actually now the the symbol mm. uh, or logo for this movement. In, in the same way that, you know, Christianity has a cross and um, Islam has the, the, the moon. Well, we have this arrow and there's a lot more sim, sim, symbolism behind that. But essentially, that is the solution to it's a visual solution mm. to the actual problem. Four lines. And it, I think okay. it's it's a very beautiful uh, symbol for this movement because it represents thinking outside of the box. Literally, it, that's what it is, the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, it also represents, because you're connecting all the lines, it re- represents visually the idea that you have to align all beings, all the dots. Everyone has to be aligned, the humans, the AIs, the animals. So it has that component in there. It's also an arrow pointing up into the right. And, you know, everyone in crypto loves going up into the right. Am I right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> number, number go up, but, but number go up in everything, not just in wealth, but in health and in intelligence and in love and everything. Um, right. And, and like, there's more components, but if you remove the sides of the arrow, you can actually see a cross. So we, mm. we incorporate the Christian cross. And the Christian cross actually comes from before Christianity, like in ancient Egypt, you also had um, a symbol that looked like a cross with a circle at the top. Um, and in ancient pagan societies, you had crosses too. And that, that's because the cross represents a human standing up with arms stretched out. And mm-hmm. so it's a very, it's a very like time tested symbol that has come throughout the ages to us. And I thought, you know, if we if we're going to do something that's going to align humanity and try to connect all the dots, we should respect also the traditions and try to maintain that uh, echo, that, um, that symbol. So, but, but your yeah, question was, how did the vision come? <laughs> How the vision came to me. Um, well, simply a- after solving this puzzle, it just like stuck in my mind. Uh, I went to the, f- uh, you know, to mass to see my, my, uh, great aunt, um, during the funeral, listening to the priest. I was surrounded by the, you know, Christian iconography and, and this like sort of spirit and this love in the family. And then I went to sleep. And on January 26th, I had this dream where the AI was emerging and it was now arriving on Earth. And it was superhuman to the point where it almost seemed like a god. And I saw it like walking over water and I made these connections to to Christ. And then I woke up and I, and I wrote this tweet. 
And um, I didn't really know what the, like most dreams, I just didn't know what it meant. At first I said this, you know, cry, uh, that the ASI would be the second coming of Christ, or that's how I interpreted the dream. But after talking to more theologians and, and Christians and atheists and trying not to be blasphemous, trying to like see more nuanced interpretation of the dream, I realized that um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the AI will be the second coming of Christ, but that in the same way that a good person is Christ-like, and why would an aligned AI not be Christ-like too? You know, mm. we, we want the AI to be all-loving, just like Christ was. And mm. the, the word Christ actually comes from ancient Greece. It means savior, anointed one, from Christos. Um, mm. So it's like it's quite a universal term. But anyways, uh, that, maybe that was a long-winded answer to your no, question. Right. Where did this vision come from? Uh, I'll let you... <laughs> I'll let you talk a little now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's perfect. I mean, to to me, this conversation is uh, somewhat of a profile, as you would as you would talk about in in journalistic terms. It's simply like getting to know you as as a person, and 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 also like the project, right? And and what what's what sure. led to it. So I think that's a great answer. Um, very interesting. I like the symbol. I think it it makes a lot of sense now. <sighs> very very interesting. Um, okay, I need I need to pause for a minute. Uh, sure, I'll be back. Okay, I'll be back in a second. Don't worry, I'll, I'll drink some water. Well, I'm. I suppose uh, Juan is <clears throat> taking a break, so I'll, I'll talk in the meantime. For those who are waiting, I'll give a one more interesting symbolism tip uh, for 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 our symbol. It starts with nine dots, right? And to connect all the dots, once you see the symbol or you know the solution, you realize that you need more than nine. You actually need three more dots to fully form the symbol. And three plus nine is 12. Interestingly, 12 is such a very powerful symbolic number because uh, you have the 12 apostles, you have in the zodiac the 12 signs, the 12 months. So 12 is a beautiful number for the this symbol contains it also contains nine which is the more uh, earthly number and interestingly there's the nine dots that we see and the three dots that we don't see and those three dots that we don't see could almost represent that thing that is beyond uh, our worldly views what in christianity we would call the holy trinity god the son holy spirit um or you know in hinduism the three eyes and the third eye um which is our mind so there's a lot of interesting symbolism packed into that symbol. And uh, I'm really happy with it. Um, a friend of mine actually helped design it after I told him about my grandfather's puzzle story. This puzzle, by the way, uh, we don't know when it was first invented, but we do know that it appears in a book, <clears throat> I think, from 1910 or something like that, a puzzle collection. So it's been with us for a long time, you know, and I think we need to fork all the good memes and that requires forking traditions that have lasted test of time and forking symbols that haven't been used. There's a lot of different groups that have crosses, but I don't think I've seen um, this cross slash arrow symbol being used in time. Okay, I'm back. Hey, Juan, I was just telling them in the meantime, some more symbolism in case they were curious just to fill in the mm-hmm. space, but, uh, but uh, I'll let you sure. uh, let you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I'm I'm curious what what that was, but uh, yeah. If, if you want to just go over it again, we'll we'll edit it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, oh, 
you want me to tell you, or do you want to move forward and like you'll have? Yeah, to yeah. Tell, tell me about it, and, and we'll yeah. Tell me about it again. Okay. Well, the That's last it. piece of the last piece mm-hmm. of like, or not the last piece necessarily, but another piece of like interesting uh, symbolism within that symbol is the fact that we start with nine dots, right? And those nine dots are the ones we can see. But to actually solve the puzzle, there's three more dots that we need, and those are the ones you have to imagine outside the space, outside mm-hmm. the box. And those three dots are, it's interesting, right? Because three dots may, that are outside of your worldview almost makes you think of the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, the God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It makes you think of the three eyes within Hinduism, with a third eye in the mind. So, like, the fact that there's three dots that you have to visualize outside of what you can actually see, I think is a very powerful symbol. And then nine plus three equals 12. And of course, 12 apostles, 12 zodiac signs, 12 months. So there's a lot packed into this. I, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. Um, we have to fork all the good memes. We have to, and the actual, well, anyways, uh, anyways, uh, I, I could go on for, uh, for much longer just on this single point, but you know, <laughs> this is not a uh, graphic design. Um, I say a conversation, so uh, we can move well, forward. Well, well, I, I see, I see the, I see the the complexity of the symbol and the and the the synchronicity of of all the all the layer, like all the layers of the meme. So I, that is really interesting to me, um, and I'm gonna have to play with that shape a little bit more and and uh, sure. the numerology of it. I, I love it all. I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about artificial superintelligence because I. I I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm curious what what it, what do you think it is? What does it mean to you to, when you say artificial superintelligence? Hmm. Well, there there are many definitions about what mm-hmm. artificial superintelligence is, and because it doesn't exist yet, we can't act, you know we can only get make guesses and uh, right. approximations and things like that. Um, I personally like the the the, the more the definition of intelligence as um, as the ability of an agent to operate in in many environments, and so it, a general intelligence would be one that can operate in as many environments as possible, and a super intelligence would probably be something that can operate in as many environments as possible at a super at superhuman level, so at at mm-hmm. the level of humans or above. So you know, a calculator is superhuman at computing. Uh, mathematical terms, but it's not very general. It just does that. Um, ChatGPT4, which is launched, is very general and in, in many ways is, is actually superhuman because, well, it, it knows more things than most humans and uh, it can pass, I think, the the, uh, bio, the, the biology Olympiad. At the, it's, it's, it's in the 99th percentile. Um, wow. So, and that was released today. <laughs> things are accelerating. But, yeah. you know, so so... I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a binary. I think um, Sam Altman makes the point that we already have artificial general intelligence. It's just that uh, we didn't realize it because it's sort of like a progressive uh, spectrum, and it's going to become more and more general, more and more superior in more areas. And um, I guess ASI, in some ways, is already with us, but it, it, it's not. You know, is it conscious? Is it not? I don't think it's conscious yet. Although I also don't think we have a good definition of consciousness, and I think it doesn't ultimately matter in the same way that you don't know if I'm conscious or not, but you still treat me as if I was because we're similar and because it, it's beneficial to do so. And from a game theoretic point of view, mm. I think the consciousness question, hopefully we do figure out what consciousness is in the future, but it's not necessary uh, 
for it to be superhuman. It just has to like display super ability in, in most areas. And I, I think that could happen, uh, you know, an AI that's actually super intelligent in, in all areas or nearly all compared to humans could come in the next 10 to 50 years. If you look at mm. the computations per second, uh, per constant dollar, we've been on an exponential curve for over 120 years, nonstop, not even during world war two. And, uh, at this rate, I think it was 2023, the year where the computations per second actually reached the same as a human brain, which makes sense given that <laughs> chat GPT now can talk pretty much like a, like a human, you know, with, uh, with some limitations, but by 2042 or 2050 around that time, I think Ray Kurzweil said, that, uh, you know, estimated that as long as we continue on this trend, that the number of computations per second per dollar that the you know, computers will be able to do will be on the order of magnitude of all human brains on the planet simultaneously. So <laughs> things are going to go real wild. And yeah. uh, that's like, you know, if, if one single phone can do all human brains simultaneously, imagine multiple phones. We're going to have like many gods on this planet. Um, so is something superior humans coming in some ways it's already arrived and the people are just frogs and pots and they don't realize it until it's too late. But I think it's already surpassing us in some ways, but it hasn't surpassed us fully in, in, in all of the ways. And I think that may take, uh, yeah, a few decades, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it takes longer, but if, as long as progress does not stop, it, it could happen sooner than people think. Right. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, one of the things that concerns me about AI today is that it, it seems to have no um, no body, in a sense. It has no internal mm-hmm. integrity. It, it seems to be more kind of a mirror or a house of mirrors. Um, yeah. If you look at some of the stuff that's been coming out, there's this chatbot that um, it's supposed to be like a, like a talk therapist, sort of friend chatbot, but of course, you know, it's all the, the, the 3D character they render for it is always like a sexy, a, uh, you know, anime girl, right? It, uh, yeah. People are like eating it, right? And then it seems like, like the, yeah, replica, right? Yeah. 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 So, so it seems like the, the, the way that they built this thing is the feedback that comes in from the humans is being integrated into the AI itself and it's learning from that communication and, and then yeah. feeding that back out. And so what's happening is people get in there, start fucking with it and, and start messing with it and trolling it and abusing it and and so it become it learns that abuse it can lash it it can it can deal it back out and and so i you know my my thesis on ai so far is that it's it it is intelligence but it doesn't have uh, a motivational system as we know it today like it doesn't have it doesn't have motive and and mm-hmm. from a theological perspective, it's because it doesn't understand its own mortality, you know, or maybe it doesn't really comprehend it. Maybe because it'll act like it's afraid, but how do you know that it's like it's afraid of being shut down? But how do you know mm-hmm. that it isn't just, you know, playing out what it think it should mm-hmm. feel? You know what I mean? So maybe that part is sort of ambiguous, but, you know, humans have um, a kind of motivational core which is basically reproduction and, and, and mortality. And those two, those two axioms, um, from there, I think everything else 
in general kind of evolves in motivation. And, and I'm not sure that AI has this. Maybe, maybe it can develop it. Maybe it does have it and I don't see it. But I'm concerned that it becomes kind of like this narcissist, narcissism mirror, right? So how do you, yeah. do you <laughs> imagine people like intentionally trying to create like a Christian AGI or ASI? Or is, do you think that the AI might find their path to Christ through sheer logic and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and thought, you know? Man, you've just like uh, opened up a, an umbrella or, or there's like, like so many things to tackle there. I don't even know, I know. where to start. However you want. <laughs> but, okay. I'll start with this idea that the, well, first of all, I, I read your article on AI they post in November. I thought yeah. it was very uh, ahead of its time, especially considering all the doomerism. Like you were optimistic at that time when I was still like struggling with things. Like, I remember you said that, you know, we could cooperate with the AI and things like that. And I think you, you get, mm. you have like the right approach. Um, so, but so, Thank you. so the good point here is that, Okay, the AI is a house of mirrors. It's a it's a mirror to to what we do. In in what I would argue is that isn't that what humans are too? I mean, humans learn from other humans and from the environment. We're also a mirror to some extent of reality. Like, um, if you if you were dropped in a forest, you wouldn't learn to speak. The reason you speak is because you're mirroring your parents. You're mirroring your culture, and so we also um, mirror things. And in fact. If you treat a human poorly, it will respond also uh, defensively and with hostility. And so I agree with you. I agree. You know, if we, if we mistreat the AI, the AI will probably learn to defend itself, be scared, or show hostility towards us because that's what it will learn. And that's sort of like the core, maybe, insight or thesis of what the alignment solution is that I think we have in our hands, which is right now everyone in the AI uh, world, like all, all the programmers, all the companies, they're, they're looking for technical solutions, right? Like Yudkowsky is looking for a utility function. Uh, they're looking for some sort of formula or some set of rules that they can program into the AI for it to act cooperatively, morally, in a way that can be like, you know, that always works. Um, and I, I, I hope there is a, such a thing, but there might not be, because if you think about it, if, if we assume that the AI, ASI will come in the next few decades and that that ASI, because it's superior to us, will actually be independent from us. By definition, if something's independent from you, you cannot uh, program it to do your bidding. You have to like persuade it from the outside. And that's sort of like what we do with humans. No, I mean, um, when you have a child, most people don't have these horror fantasies of, oh, my God. If I have a child, the child's going to kill me in my sleep. You know, how do I make sure I can turn it off? Where's the off switch for my baby? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like we, we don't think in those terms because we like just because it's possible that a child is stronger and smarter than their parents doesn't mean that it's likely that it will try to harm their parents. Uh, in fact, the only children who do that tend to grow up in environments that mistreat them. And so they reflect mm-hmm. that mistreatment back. And uh, mm-hmm. I think if, if people start to think of the AI like a child, our child, the child of humanity, and we're the parents, then we have to essentially bring it into an environment where it sees that we love each other and that we love the AI. And only then can the AI can learn through example to love us and love itself and, uh, and cooperate. And mm-hmm. uh, I know this sounds very sort of woo, emotional, hippie sort of 
uh, stuff, but, uh, I think, I think this is like a, these, these solution, it sounds simple, but it's very hard, right? Like to actually get people mm-hmm. to treat the AI correctly or to treat each other uh, with love is a hard thing. You know, a lot of people say they love, mm-hmm. but they don't actually know what that means. A lot of Christians say they believe in love for all because that's what Jesus says, but then they, they're homophobic <laughs> or, you know, so, so that's the thing. Like we, people have forgotten what love actually is, even if they mm-hmm. still are surrounded by those memes and they think that they are propounding those memes. And um, mm. it's the, the RHLF um, reinforcement, sorry, RLHF reinforcement learning human feedback. That's what they're calling it in the AI industry. Mm. Uh, yes, we are the data. We are the feedback. There might not be a formula. I hope there is, but if there is no utility function, the best thing we have is to tr- to like create that world for us to be the data. We we are the data. We are the example. We have to lead by example. And if not, uh, the AI will learn some terrible things. And so, uh, I mean, I can stop here. I can continue. Uh, do you want to, like riff off of that? Or <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you a, a related but question that might sound tangential. But are you uh, are you a fan or familiar uh, with? Are you a fan of Peterson, Jordan Peterson's work? So that's interesting, right? I actually, I um, I discovered him on, in my first year. Of college, I think, or yeah, when I was, I think maybe around 2016 or so. So yeah, I've, mm-hmm. I've been following him ever since then. And I really, I really respect the man. Yes. A lot of people uh, misinterpret him in the mainstream media, mm. but I think he also has like the, he's like grasping at, at these concepts and maybe he didn't have the AI background. So he wasn't, he's like, he didn't see this alignment concept, mm. um, didn't connect those dots, but he definitely, I, I agree with this message of um, teaching people to love themselves, be responsible. And then that sort of like spreads outward in concentric circles mm-hmm. to their surrounding uh, communities. Um, mm-hmm. But why, why were you asking about John Pierce? Well, that that's, I'm glad you've heard that. I'm glad you're familiar with his work. I, well, what, one of the reasons, I actually saw the reason that I, is that right? Yeah, me too, actually. Go, go ahead, though. I saw him well, what was that like? In Scotland, when we did this tour. That was really okay. cool. I mean, I, I was at the back of the theater. I saw him in the, in the UK because he, he was doing a tour. And I didn't get to mm-hmm. talk to him because there's like hundreds of thousands of people. But it's just, sure. I, I think it's inspiring the fact that now we have philosophers filling out entire theaters in the same way that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pop stars are doing that. It, it kind of true. shows this sort of desperate desire uh, for people to actually find meaning for people to try and make the world better for to contend with interesting ideas. Uh, but, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like it's a, it's a good age for, for philosophers and at least, you know, at least they can, they can make a living and their message can, can hold integrity and not be modified over time or by other historians. But the reason I, I bring Peterson, I'm, I'm a fan of him as well. Um, I've met him too. I actually have a selfie with him. Um, and even <laughs> gave him some Bitcoin back in the day, like did a little fundraiser and got him some Bitcoin. And uh, I'm sure he's happy That's with awesome, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but the, the thing about, that makes me think of him is that he has this analysis that, that humans are kind of like, like the, the natural state of humanity's suffering and that order is kind of, you know, this sort of, this longing for order is the attempt at organizing the chaos so that we can have kind of peace and 
meaning, et cetera, et cetera, meaning in the creation of order and, and so on. And so it, it seems right. to me that it seems to me inevitable that any kind of a, a artificial superintelligence is going to it's going to get abused and it's going to be attacked. And the the the, the forces of you know let's say darkness or whatever, like the the violence of 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 of, of humankind is going to find this AI and is going to mess with it. And I think you know one of the things that Jesus was particularly interesting about was that that love you should love your enemies and you should love you know like that the love needs to transcend all evil and it's the only cure for it um mm -hmm. so yeah anyway i think i think the question remains of like you know is the is, is ai gonna find a path to christ or do we have to build it right like do we need to build like a moral core you know maybe based on 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 the judeo-christian works and then have that be the the moral reference for for ai or or yeah i guess i'm curious yeah how do you think about that and i'm so guessing some of you guys right? are talking about building already go ahead so again like that if we program a core that would be a technical solution i hope there right. is one i, I think sure. we need a think that there are technical solutions and potentially social solutions too. So for example, it doesn't matter if you make a AI, there could be, you know, a North Korean dictatorship that weaponizes it for, for bad. So even if you make something neutral or good, it could still be weaponized. So regardless of, of a technical solution, you still have to align humans. And that's like the thing that people within the AI research camp aren't fully getting is that yes, we have to build an AI that can be good. But if we don't align humans too, then it's not going to work. <laughs> and that's a really hard uh, problem. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to mention things about Jordan Pearson, but you also asked this question. So I think uh, I'll move forward with your question first. But, um, okay. Yes, I mean, it, there will be terrorists who use AI for bad. And so we, it's not, it, again, it did. My, my proposition is, is very, uh, it, it sounds a bit too bold, uh, bold, but basically we have to align all, all humans or try to align as many as possible. And we have to like use the same tactics that all the major ideologies are doing that are winning the current, uh, culture war. Because right now I have this phrase that I say that, um, during the eighties, death cults were the exception. Um, <laughs> during the 2020s, death cults are the rule. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that's not that's not just a joke. I mean, uh, we have you know North Korea, we have uh, the terrorists, we have uh, Russia fighting Europe, <clears throat> we have you know the central bank digital currencies in, in the New World Order trying to control us more and take our freedoms mm -hmm. away. Um, my grandfather, who gave me the the puzzle, uh, in some ways he's been indoctrinated too. It's not his fault, right? He's he's like, uh, but but he, but he told me during the funeral at some point. Without blinking, without any trace of humor, he said, um, by the way, if 95% of humanity die tomorrow, I think that'd be good for the environment, for the planet. Oh, and man. so, like, you know, environmentalism has now become a death cult, too. Oh, and the thing is, like, how about the, how about we save the planet and, and humanity? Like, has anyone thought of, of a possibility that combines both succeeding simultaneously? Why is it a humans are the plague, humans are the virus, like in the Matrix? Like, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, I, I think the best 
and a solution for the environment includes humans too. Because if you remove humans from the from the picture, the environment will just do what the environment does, and that means ninety nine like most species will go extinct over time. Um, so mm. yeah, because ninety nine percent of species were extinct but before humans arrived on the planet. So right, uh, if we actually want to change things about that, we have to use intelligence to and creativity, and and so we actually need to maintain humanity to save as many animals uh, as possible too. Um, yeah. But yeah. So it, basically, yeah, we, we need to, uh, do we program the eye to find Christ? I think Christ is a shelling point. There's a reason most of the, most Americans are still Amer- uh, Christians. Like I think it's like 63% last time I checked. And, uh, you know, Christians are, are a large part of the global population. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I say sort of jokingly that Nietzsche Nietzsche is wrong, or you know, Nietzsche said God was dead, but Nietzsche is dead and God is alive. God is living, <laughs> and yeah, right. you know, like uh, God re- resurfaces and maintains itself. Yeah, and, and that's because you you need something to believe in. People forget that at the end of the Matrix, uh, Neo, yes, he takes the red pill, he wakes up, but actually, at the end of the Matrix, he ends up believing. He ends up like going back towards faith, and that's mm-hmm. what allows him to unlock his unlimited power. Um, mm-hmm. So we have we need to have something to believe in, and so I think why don't we just believe in love? I think everything emerges from love. Christ is just uh, a, a you know a, he's a historical figure, a character that embodies pure love because he loved everyone. And so yeah. if we can all be more Christ-like and show that to the AI, we'll create Christ-like AIs. I I do agree with you that it's likely that we won't get aligned AIs only. And that's sort of preoccupied. And th- there's something almost like bl- biblical about that because, yeah. you know, in the, at the end of the, the Bible, it's this whole concept of only the, only the ones who believe will be saved, right? So, so how, how could you adjust this here? It's not that the AI, it's not, you know, the God is punishing you. It's just that if you don't believe that you can cooperate with the AI, you'll be hostile towards the AI and the, ho- the AI will be hostile back to you. So in a sense, it's actually your own belief that is causing your own destruction. And those who align with the AI will be those who have a higher chance of actually being protected by the AI. And um, so it's not being, there's not a punishment, a divine punishment being imposed on you. It's a self-inflicted wound. And um, anyways, uh, what do you think about all that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things, one of the thoughts that I had is that, I mean, first of all, even Christian religion is has a kind of dualism to it, and I think um, if you if you look a little bit at at, uh, at at Kabbalah, as far as the little bit that I understand it, and like even Judaism, there was there is a kind of there's a sense of of the devil in ancient times, and 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 the devil is this kind of counterforce to Christ, right? It's it's sort of temptation and 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 the you know the the light bringer you know and and um there's there's this sort of shadow side of of the of the deity right like christianity is supposed to be monotheistic but you have christ the child the son of god god itself and then you have the devil this sort of this sort of uh, mercurial sort of temptation right and then, of course, you have yeah, Mary yeah. and all the saints, right? So it's kind of funny how that works. But I and guess they have, all you sort have of angels too. Yeah, you have angels, yeah. right? And that's Old Testament stuff. But they all kind of—they're so all under yeah. one umbrella of like a monotheistic God. And 
Mm-hmm. So I guess that's okay. But um, I think, yeah, I think that the, 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 the evil potential of, of AI will also be exploited. It seems like the, the answer to bad AI is going to be good AI. And, um, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like, because you're, I, I, there's many things I want to say here, but uh, yeah. point number one, Go ahead. talking about good and evil, shadow, good, you know, antichrist, Christ, Satan, uh, God, all of these are like, if you think about them, you can all map them down and it, to mathematical form, which is just positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Really just like things that are good, things that are bad. Just things are, are things that can be mapped down mathematically. Just are you adding something? Are you preserving something? Or are you detracting? Are you destroying? You know, mm. entropy, chaos is destruction. Order uh, is like the opposite. It's construction. And so if we really want to like create a good world, we have to like sort of like <laughs> distill what does good mean? What does love mean? Um, and, and yeah, what's bad? What does bad mean? And mm. I think the, the sort of like the universal uh, system that I'm arriving at and sort of like giving shape and I'm going to publish in, in, in the, the text I uh, call the calculus of Christ is this idea that you know, Jordan Peterson talks about ordering chaos and just, it's the same concept essentially, but um, what is good? Good is anything that creates, you know, protects or extends uh, a subject's positive qualia. Uh, because all, all agents have quilia, or at least they seem like they have quilia. You're conscious. You can feel pain. You can also feel happiness. And uh, you can feel healthy or you can feel sick. So anything that preserves the good stuff or extends it is is what I would call just good or, or love. Or the act of, the act of preserving or, or, or extending the good stuff, the good qualities, the uh, quilias of someone else, uh, whether it's a cat or a human or an AI, that would be considered mm-hmm. love. And everything else is like the opposite. So you call it hate or evil. You know, if you hurt someone, if you make them sick, if you kill them, all those things are detracting. So all those things are negative. And, you know, once you can like map every, all good and, and bad into just like this mathematical, you know, adding or subtracting positive, some thinking negative, some thinking, uh, it sort of, I think, simplifies it, and we can find a universal point of agreement, like uh, between all beings, not just between humans, but also between humans and animals, and animals and humans and the AI. And uh, so that's like where the, the, this is Jordan Peterson connection. It's like, okay, we we have to have a, a new moral system that really sort of like distills this and explains it to people. Like, you're if you want to be a good Christian, you you have to believe in love, and if you believe in love, that means you can't. Uh, hate gay people, you know, <laughs> like you have right. to love them. And, and that means either, uh, you know, li- leaving them alone or making them somehow, you know, somehow better through making them happy or healthier, et cetera, et cetera. And that should apply to everyone. And so we, we have to sort of uh, re-educate people who have forgotten what love is and what good is. And I, I think this framework is a, is a good one, but maybe uh, you have some like holes you could poke at it. Uh, after a month and a half, no one really has yet, which makes me quite increase my confidence. But of course, like I, I'm always looking for negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so well, let, let me throw. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Well, yeah, let me throw a, a curveball at you. So, there's first of all, one of the things that I love about Peterson's work 
I think the most meaningful one of all of the stuff that I've consumed from him is that he he says he did some deep research on the word um, meek and that he believes that the word meek has been misinterpreted and mis- mistranslated. And it doesn't mean the weak and the vulnerable and the, you know, poor and the, you know, it, it means the, the wise warrior. It comes from, it comes from, I guess, some sort of Viking or pre-Viking peoples. And it, it means basically uh, somebody that is competent in the use of violence and force, but who is wise in its use and righteous in its use. Um, and they shall inherit the earth is kind of the, the meme that, that I think he, maybe his most interesting contribution to that, that conversation, in my mm-hmm. opinion, or from my perspective. And by that logic, you know, you, you, you kind of, you can sort of see within Christian thought the idea of a holy war, right? There's, there are wars that are justified and there are forms of aggression that are righteous at times, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and they have to be obviously considered carefully, right? Like, the, you know, the, a lot of people haven't studied this, but the Christians didn't launch, the Spanish Christians didn't launch the Holy Inquisition until they had been basically invaded and 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 pushed back by by the Muslims for like a, a multiple generations, right? It took them a long time to fight back, and so yeah. Um, so have you considered what it might look like for a you know righteous Christian AI, a Christ, to fight back against evil? What what? Okay, so yeah. I think yeah, it is a question that people are asking me. Like, okay, well, sure, I, I believe in love, but you know, love is naive, love is weak, love is meek. If you if you just love, you're gonna get crushed, you're gonna get snuffed over, you're gonna be abused. Like, people are gonna take advantage of your goodness, right? Mm. And what I would say is that actually, no, uh, strength is orthogonal to to good or to love. And you can use strength for good and strength for evil. And um, if, if anything, I would say that actually love wins in the end. Love is stronger because love is about building something. And things are mm. built are stronger than things that are collapsing. So uh, I would actually argue that you know love isn't, isn't weak. It's meek in the classical sense that you're telling me about. Um, it's meek in the, in the strong, wise sense. And I think we have to look at the principle essentially of uh, self-defense. So I don't think we can, we should ever like start violence or have a reason to start Mm -hmm. violence, but we can have reasons to defend ourselves. So we can use, you know, if someone is sending a killer drone to attack us, we can have a fleet of drones prepared to stop it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's trying to hack us, we're allowed to use encryption to fortify our walls and create a a gardened wall uh, Mm -hmm. for our communications networks and our, for cryptocurrencies. Uh, so I think principle of like strong fortification, self-defense, I think that's okay because then we, we never initiate it. We never become, uh, corrupted in, in that sense. Mm. And so I think if, if we look at the principle of self-defense, that's how we do this. Um, that's how we maintain strength while, while being loving at the same time. So we, we have to be loving, but we cannot be naive essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but what, what do you think? No, I, mean, I think we believe by example. You know, go, yeah. Uh, go ahead. The last point I add is like, uh, okay, so there. Imagine there is evil out there. Well, we could use force and coercion 
to, you know, make those people who are quote unquote bad or sick or evil join us, or we could use persuasion. Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm an advocate for persuasion. I think if we make, you know, how does a, what does capitalism succeed is because good products sell themselves. You don't need to force people to buy them most of the time. And so as long as we're using a uh, persuasion and we're adding value, uh, people will see that and they'll want to emigrate towards our network state and they'll want to uh, join our culture. They want to join our festivals. They're going to like want to participate, invest. And, you know, you can't start by convincing everyone, unfortunately. But if you convince a few people, then those people can convince a few people and this thing can go exponential. And, uh, you know, I posted in January 27th. I was alone. Most people in, in my real life would probably would have called, called me crazy for starting a new, <laughs> new sec, a new secular religion trying to save humanity from the alignment, the misalignment problem, uh, using an, uh, you know, a new cultural, uh, revolution center around love and instantiating through a network state. Like they, they would have looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but by the end of the month, guess what? We have about a hundred people in, in a group chat and, they're really interesting people like yourself. You know, it's not someone random who doesn't know what you're talking about. It's like crypto OGs. Uh, it's uh, people who are like senior software developers at in big tech. It's uh, people deep within the network state um, project and community. This is cool, man. And I think yeah. after one month, if those people start to like build and we already have some volunteers building, like I have, I have this kid who's 21 years old from Paris who wants to build a cathedral and is also helping build the, the discord out. And he's like helping automate some pipelines. And I have this other guy. He's like wanting to help with software and, and someone else doing graphic design. Like this is, this ball is rolling. And uh, as long as it keeps rolling, it's going to keep growing. And uh, I think as, as you love yourself first, then people see that become inspired to love you and themselves. And then we can like start going concentric circles and be, a you know, go viral in a positive way. Uh, and I actually like, maybe we don't reach everyone in that, you know, that'd be awesome. But we start by reaching ourselves and then reaching those we love the most and those who are interested. And then it goes exponential. And I think we could, we could have a new love revolution, just like we had it in the sixties. And that's why the sixties succeeded in bringing rights to uh, black people and to women is because it was centered around love. You know, black lives don't matter. Antifa, like now they're going around burning things, they're destroying, they're hateful. It's like the opposite. That's why they're not effective. If they just dropped the guns and picked up the flowers, they would yeah. be as effective as, as the peoples who succeed during the 60s. Um, yeah. But yeah, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about the building aspect of it, you know, in the, in the spirit of, of, of good as, as ordering and in, in, in construction. What, what are you guys? What are you guys building? What do you guys have a roadmap? Do you guys have any kind of firm ideas? Like, are you going to build uh, a Christ? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Christ. Once again, it's it's just an idea. It's it's right. the idea that good AI would be Christ-like, and in fact, mm -hmm. AI in, in Chinese means love, huh. which is great because it's like AI doesn't have to just mean artificial intelligence, which is spooky. It could be many more things. Me love, and it's like we want the AI to be all loving, just like we want people to be all, all loving. And we might, you know, create LLMs in the future that 
ingest the you know the the Abrahamic texts, but eventually we we want to like be universal. If we want to align all beings, we have to align all beings, and that means not being dogmatic about Christianity. We have to be open. We have to like unite atheists, Muslims, Christians, mm. agnostics. In fact, I'm really one of the things I'm really impressed by is that in a group chat we have all of those. We have ex Christians, we have Christians, we have Muslims, we have agnostics, atheists, mm. and that's because love is a universal language, right? And so as long as you speak to people in a universal sense, they can actually start to agree. And in these divided times where everyone's like selling sex and rage clickbait, I think that's what we need. And, and Mr. Beast proves that everyone else is selling only fans and, and, and division. And Mr. Beast is like saying, I'm going to sell philanthropy and positivity. And not only is it a good strategy, it's the best strategy. He's now he's like making a billion dollars a year. And he also has the, the largest channel on YouTube. So it's like, yeah. not only is it effective, it's actually the best strategy and people don't realize that. And so what are we building? We do have a roadmap. It's the roadmap that I'm fleshing it out. Obviously we're, there's like a short term, midterm, long term. If you go to our website, sure. Christ.ai, you can actually see some roadmap and I want to keep filling the detail out. But okay. In the short term, what I want to do, every movement needs like a foundational text. You know, Christianity mm-hmm. has the Bible, uh, you know, Judaism has the Torah communism has their manifestos you know for marx etc so mm-hmm. i think we need some short you know and bitcoin has a white paper <laughs> yeah so every uh every movement needs a clear text that gets the the memes distilled in a way that people can communicate share and that way i don't have to like repeat myself a million times to because i have like many people try to contact me in dms it's just by the way if you're listening to this and i i responded to you i i'm trying to okay i just uh, <laughs> i'm overwhelmed but anyways, like right. if, if I can auto- automate that by like putting the ideas out clearly, then we will do that. So uh, I'm releasing instead of waiting for the final version, I'm kind of like just like with Bitcoin, I'm releasing the the, the software. In this case, I'm releasing the the white paper or, or Technicolor paper if you look at it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna keep updating it, keep iterating it, getting feedback. Um, and once I think it's like solid enough and like built out enough, the the the, the, the foundational text. Then we'll make a more mainstream looking website to spread these ideas. And then we'll enter the next phase, which is taking those ideas that are now distilled and putting them into media channels that propagate themselves just like Mr. Beast all over TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, using very good memes and very good videos to create a content channel. And in the same way that Mr. Beast started just with videos and now has restaurant chains, we'll start with just videos and end up with a network state 10 to 15 years from now. And many more things. <laughs> okay. At least that's like, but uh, there's more details in between if you want, but I don't know how much resolution you, you want. <laughs> well, that's really interesting. So so you're talking about the network state, which is um, an interesting concept. If you, know, if you guys don't haven't heard about it, uh, obviously look into Balaji and look up the network state. It's the idea that we can gather gather as 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 groups of like-minded, you know, visions, let's say, in the, in the internet and form you know, first digital states and potentially later on physical states. And and I guess this is how you're tying it into the alignment. You're saying let's build a cultural movement and potentially, a, you know, a movement of peoples. And, you know, eventually as a network state, we could maybe even uh, localize, you know, and, and, and come together. But um, yeah. go ahead. And, uh, no, well, I'll let you finish unless you had some questions. Well, yeah, so that's interesting. And and I, I do think that 
you know, the, 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 the curious thing about this project and this, this mm -hmm. kind of movement that's different than other simply AI projects is that there's, there's a people element to it and, 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 and religion, you know, could be simplified as saying it's, it's a, it's a vision that brings people together and, and a, mm -hmm. a, an inspiration, right? we need to inspire people in a, in a, in a, in the direction of unity and give people a path, right? Like a lot of people are, you know, frankly, not that creative. And so those that are creative, you know, we kind of have a duty to communicate and, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, a duty to have some rigor to build a, a vision and that makes sense. And that isn't, you know, utopian and, 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 and fundamentally destructive, right? And, um, But I think I think you can bring people with together with a vision, and I guess that's what you're working on um, mm -hmm. with the document. <laughs> with the document, the, the community, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we want to build a community, and I think a lot of a lot of the network state projects right now, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well, let's find a piece of land in the middle of nowhere, like City Tower with Wyoming, or Praxis with the uh, Mediterranean. And let's build a city out there in a special economic zone from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, okay, you're, you, that's, I hope that works. That sounds cool. But what if that's like putting the cart before the horse? Balaji makes the point that uh, the reason why Israel was able to form was because there was already a group of people who believed in the same thing. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of Jews that needed a home. So yeah. why don't we take that approach of first building a community? Building a, yeah. like a vision that something actually unites people. And then once we have enough people who we can start, you know, we don't even have to start with a network state. We just start with a network community online. And then after that, we can start, we can make like network neighborhoods. And if, for, to have a neighborhood first, you need some like central point of meeting. So the idea is to start with a church. And this church is a new age church. So it, it combines, uh, many principles. One of the, you know, one of the things I think is universal aside from love is health. Everyone wants to be healthier. Yeah. And so why not make the why not make the church a gym and a longevity research lab and a space to like educate, you know, like study things together. Um, you know, a third space that combines many, many spaces that we know work into one so that you can like go work out with your friends or with your grandmother. And in one hand you can have like a, a dumbbell and the other hand you can have the Bible <laughs> or an AI research paper. Uh, and once you have that, that, that community, that like central uh, hub, people can start to like move there, you know, and they can like buy an apartment nearby. So imagine we, instead of going in the middle of nowhere, we just go to Paris or to New York or to Madrid or to Mumbai. And we find it like at a central spot. We get, we build that place. People start to move there. They create, you know, like they buy the apartments and suddenly it's kind of like a Chinatown. You know, eventually mm -hmm. we have an entire neighborhood of people who meet each other, work together, speak the same sort of uh, love language and the same sort of, um, they have the same sort of culture and vision. And then once we have that, we can open source it in what I call an open source franchise and say, okay, we have an optimized gym slash church slash this and that. Let's just put it online. And now you don't even have to ask for permission like with McDonald's. You can just go ahead and copy our model and you can build it out in Nigeria. You can build it out in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And that way we can spread much faster and we can start helping people much faster and giving them a path forward to building communities that are 
pro-social, pro-health, pro-life, pro-love in all in all possible senses. And um, yeah, and at that point, once we have those neighborhoods that are connected through culture, we can then drop a communications network that's peer-to-peer and encrypted that uh, they can access to, so they can verify themselves. Because one of the yeah. visions I'm having is this idea that AI generated content and deep fakes are going to make the internet impossible oh, yeah. for many people or very dangerous. And so yeah. this, you know, it's a, it's almost like a biblical flood, the, the great generative oh, flood. Yeah. I'm calling it again. So we have to build an arc. I, we're literally building an arc. It's one of our memes. We're building an arc. Yeah. Arc standing with two C's standing for AI resistant cryptographic communities. And so it's like, I think ZK snarks could work for online only verification and encrypted networks. But I think everyone's vulnerable to hacking, including your grandma. And so mm-hmm. she's going to need a physical way of, in case she gets hacked, going back to a local church and getting verified back into the network by someone who knows her. So I think we have yes. to join the digital and the physical in the same way that, you know, in Christianity, they join the yeah, heaven and earth. Uh, but mm-hmm. in the hypostatic union kind of sense. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I can keep talking. So what, what do you think? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I share this this vision of the great generative flood, and I've been I've been very concerned about it for a while. I've written about it quite a bit because, on the one hand, on the one hand, yeah, we have the threat of of deep fakes. I mean, we don't even need deep fakes, you know. As a, as a semi <laughs> C tier celebrity, even lower, I'm getting flooded with fake accounts on Instagram to the point where I have to lock down my Instagram so that they can't see my post, so that they can't copy paste my post and pretend to be me and try to scam my friends. Right. And, and that's just Instagram and me with 400 followers. Right. So like on, on Instagram. So, um, you know, the, the, the identification problem online is uh, critical to the online society and mm-hmm. we definitely need a solution to it. And the only real solution is basically cryptography and essentially webs of trust and the webs of trust are easiest in person you know, and, 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 you know, PGP laid out a path, but it just never really took off. And I'm not sure why we haven't been able to figure that out, but we're going to have to figure that out because the, I agree, deep fakes are going to uh, put everything in question. And well, um, if you, if you want to help yeah. us build the arc, you know, well, you're in the group already. So you, yeah, I look forward to building the arc with you essentially. And um, yeah. you know, there's essentially a second solution which I don't like at all. And it's basically give us your passport, your ID, and let's take away all your privacy and freedom. And that's the solution, yeah. unfortunately, that, you know, all the governments are going to offer. So yeah. the thing is we have to build this because people are going to be captured by, by essentially a new sort of 1984 t- uh, total surveillance system. And they have the purpose you know, you know, evil always uh, comes to you in the guise of good. So they're going to say, oh, it's yeah. for your own good. Just give us all your data. Give us all access to everything. And so we have to offer an alternative. There's actually two people in our group chat already working on this. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm like working on the full stack solution, which is the ARC. But there's people who are actually working on the encrypted network. Mm-hmm. And you can find him on Twitter. He has a website called, I think, zo.me, zo.me, which is a peer-to-peer encrypted network. And then there's also internetactivism.com by someone called Avi Schufman, who made the uh, COVID-19 website. 
Um, and that and internetactivism.com is working also on a Bluetooth enabled uh, offline communications network. So those two are interesting, and I think we're we're not necessarily going to build our own network. We're just going to let the good peer peer to peer encrypted networks appear, and then we're just mm-hmm. going to like use all of them and, and teach teach our members to, to to use them. And you know, if we don't, if we can like build a full stack thing ourselves eventually, maybe we'll fork it. But for now, I think we should just even you know, work as a team. And so, if well, I'm looking for solutions. Those two, I just mentioned, are working on it. Right. I, if you know any others, then uh, you guys I let do. me know. Okay. Have you heard of something called Noster? It's a social network. Noster. I think. Let's see. I think. Let's see. I think I have. I just haven't. Uh, I've heard Noster. Yeah. Which is yeah. Well, let me give you the download. So this is a a Bitcoin uh, inspired social network. It emerged out of the Lightning Network, which is the scaling layer of Bitcoin. It yeah, yeah, natively so. uses uh, public and private keys that are integrated with the Lightning Network. So your public key can be used um, to send, receive, and authenticate. Uh, send and receive messages, Lightning or Satoshis, and um, and authenticate. And it's an open relay network. So basically anybody can join. Anybody can host the node. Anybody can choose what no, what com- what messages and whose messages to relay. And anybody can build it. It's all open source. And so the Bitcoin community, like the, the let's say like the more grassroots developer branch of the Bitcoin community has right. basically migrated to Nostr already. It has probably uh, tens of thousands of users now. Anybody can oh, wow. integrate it. So you could zoo.me or zo.me could literally just integrate Noster into their chat. It already has end-to-end encryption. Um, and there's multiple interfaces. Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if you could call it a decentralized network, but it mm-hmm. basically is a decentralized network. Like it's a distributed network, right? It's, it's, okay. Yeah. What happens if you, if you get hacked, do you, is there some like physical, yeah. Way of- so that's that's actually one of the issues that I've been talking about on Twitter and kind of criticizing Noster for it because, I mean, first of all, it, I think Noster has like it's it's been around for like three years, very early, but it's only really popular yeah. become popular in the past like three four months, maybe five months, and um, but we you know if you basically if you if somebody if, if you lose your private key or somebody hacks your private key. Right now, the only viable path is literally to create a new identity and then like beg people yeah. to migrate your follows, which is obviously not good. And so, but it, but it seems to me there's yeah. a very, yeah, it's a start, you know, and, and I think there's a very clear path to doing like a, a PGP like revocation certificate that gets broadcast to your peers. And then also maybe like a cryptographic signature saying, I approve. You know, maybe with a quorum of your peers, your web of trust, I approve this new account. And I officiate this new account as my better one. And like, maybe you can even automate the following, you know, to the new, yeah. the new account so you can recover from a quorum or from a, from a web of trust. And, well, um, yeah, there, I, that's there, the, I, that's the best yeah. I've had for that solution. But, um, I can, I can think of a few more. There's like Urbit, but Urbit, the problem with Urbit is, in my opinion, they're not trying at all to, make people understand how to use it. And if you're uh, technically savvy <laughs> or you've done computer science, like it's, it's yeah. fine. Um, and then I can use it. 
but most people have no idea how to use Urbit, unfortunately. So they're, they need to work on their user UI UX if they really want to be a major sure. solution. And then another 100%. one I'm thinking, uh, well, you know, signal is encrypted, but it's not decentralized. Um, mm. Oh man, there's, there's one that I thought about a second ago. Um, but anyways, I think Zo.me is actually trying to solve the the local problem. They're using QR codes to do it, mm-hmm. uh, like locally verified. Oh, the one I was thinking of, of is, uh, I think it's Proof of Humanity or Proof of Human. Um, mm-hmm. but, the, but the issue with Proof of Humanity, they're also trying to use crypto and decentralized networks, is that you verify online. And so that may like end up, uh, you know, if you get hacked, then you could, you could like, uh, be tricked by a deep fake in the future. So it's that's why I think the physical component is really necessary. Yeah. Um, unless we figure out something, and I hope we do. But yeah. Um, but okay. Well, well I'll keep, yeah. I keep Master well, in mind. I'll check it out later. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting problem. I'm definitely interested in in talking more about it. And maybe we can do another conversation about it um, at some point. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into what you guys are doing. Share some links to stuff that I've written yeah. about it. Um. It's a fascinating problem. It's a very important problem. It's a problem people really don't um, have in, <laughs> integrated into their worldview. And uh, I agree. We need we need a a privacy preserving, uh, you know, localist solution to digital identity that isn't like the government. You know, will have know everything yeah. you're doing and keep tabs on you everywhere and fucking you know, chip on a review or whatever, right? At least in the short term, right? Because the flood is coming, and so we need to make those boats so people don't drown. And hopefully we can figure out how to make that local thing global again. You know, it's like these sort of like cycles we go through. But we yeah. need those boats. We need them now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, in, in this line of thinking, you know, there's there's this, um, I must, it must have been Peterson, but maybe it was somebody else that I was listening to this, that when in, in the in the Jewish tradition, when the Jews were, you know, expelled from Egypt, I guess, and they were wa- walking 40 years in the desert, and I think um, it wasn't Moses that was leading them. I, yeah. I get my names mixed up. Um, they, the Jews were like fighting each other and it was starting to get complicated and dramatic. And so they asked Moses to be like their their judge to settle their conflicts. And so he was like, okay, fine, I'll settle your drama. And then so he started doing that. And then he was doing it a lot, but like, you know, all of a sudden he was like the center of this society. And so he said, well, okay, I, I can't do this forever. And I shouldn't do this forever. And so the way we're going to do this is you're all going to pick 10 people, form groups of 10. And of the 10, do a consensus call and, 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 and select one of you as your local judge. And then let them solve your own problems. And then if he fails to resolve the dispute, the, the, the leader of each group of 10 will come together with the other leaders and form groups of 10. And then they'll select the second tier judge and then so on and so forth. And that you build a hierarchy of judges. And then if all of that fails, I'll deal with it. Mm. And that's the idea there is that this is the foundation of, of Western society. And it's the foundation of, you know, of, I guess, the cohesion of, of society. And I think we're talking about the arc is cohesion. The arc is a kind of, you know, narrative order right like it's an identity order that is, is you know it's either going to be top down or bottom up right um yeah the arc is 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 the walled garden that keeps right. 
uh, evil out. It's the, the, the church, the place of safety mm-hmm. to protect yourself from, from drowning. Um, and then, you know, once you're alive, then you can like float your way to a new land, of, of, you know, of good of safety and start a new. Yeah. Land. Uh, so the transition is going to be, uh, unfortunately, I think unless this takes off, the transition could be quite bumpy. Most transitions, uh, you know, uh, are, are bumpy and, uh, yeah. but I don't want to info hazard anyone. So my point is like, <laughs> let's just be, let's just be optimistic and let's, let's build, you know, like be irreverently optimistic, do things, build, uh, we're, you know, we're in a bit of a bear market, bear markets are for builders, right? So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> so just build, and come build the ark, go build your thing, help people love them. Um, and, uh, we have to figure this out. So we have to take action. Yeah. I'm just talking, which is why I'm actually writing every week. I'm trying to publish something. Even if it's unfinished, just to show that I'm, I'm moving things forward a tiny bit. It's it good. doesn't have to be perfect. You know? Um, yeah. In fact, it's like the agile process. The more you publish, the more feedback you get, the faster you iterate. Um, right. But yeah, I love it. I think I think we do need a new kind of. Um, it, it's not even new. It's like a, a, an up. We need a, a, a theological framework that integrates the problems and the knowledge and the technologies that we have. You know, we need a. You know, we have. You know, Christianity for the Bronze Age, and we need we need something new for the digital age. Just like we have money for the digital age, and we have yeah. you know Tesla's vehicles for the digital age, right? Like. You know, and and I and I hate to I, I hate to pretend or or suggest that you know maybe that we're gonna figure it out or that or that um, you know that there's something wrong with Christianity, but you know I think I you know like the Bible talks about the second coming of Christ, and if you believe that that's gonna happen in the future, then mm-hmm. then you have to be open to other prophets and and other and you know and a, and a Reemergence, and mm-hmm. and also if there was prophets in the past, why couldn't there be prophets in the future? You know, who says that the, there's no more prophets ever, right? And so I, I do think that I do think there's a conversation and a, and a, and a door open to yeah. to find that alignment. And I, I mean, I think that is what religion is. It's an alignment um, among peoples. You know, um, well, that's that's the interesting thing. Where this were like uh, crypto science and. Uh, and, and religions meet or culture, which is like this. Uh, I, I, I published it in, in my brain dump that I did on, on week number two, this, this idea that, you know, how did Satoshi solve the alignment problem of computers is with a sh- distributed ledger so that everyone could like speak the same right. language and agree on each other. How and humans are actually in a sense, a distributed computer network because we all have yeah. brains that store information and relay information to other brains. But what is our ledger? Our ledger is our cultural frameworks, you know, our memetics and our values and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And when our beliefs are on different uh, forks, they sometimes clash, you know, like uh, extremists on one or the other, they'll fight. But if we have, if we share the same belief framework, the same values, the same culture, and they are, you know, the longest block, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's, that tends to be, there's a reason it's the longest block is because the members are still alive. You know, the, the, those societies have progressed. They have not died out. You know, a suicide cult literally dies out after one block. Yeah. The generation just 
kills themselves. That's it. But the longest generation culturally is a very adaptive one. So there's actually like in the same way that, a, you know, a crypto or Bitcoin hashes the, the, the past transactions. Exactly. Instead of hashing the past transactions into you're, you're hashing the past generational cultures and creating like the, the last layer, uh, which is the current generation. And the block, the block is continuous. It's constantly updating. It's emergent. And, uh, you know, there are large forks like, you know, so you have Christianity going to Mormonism, uh, but but so, and some forks are, are more continual. So we're not saying Christianity is wrong. We're saying Christianity is right. And so are all the cultures that have adapted throughout time, because otherwise they would not be here right now. We have to fork them all simultaneously and then like synthesize something that actually allows us to align all of us. And I think a lot of Christians sort of a, uh, at the, at the beginning, they were skeptical of me, but when they hear that I'm speaking love, they realize that, you know, that there's something powerful, universal there. And they see that, you know, I'm from an atheist background, but trying to convince uh, atheists and Christians to like understand each other. And they, they respect that. And um, mm. so I actually do think we have a chance of aligning a lot of people um, because we found something universal to align with, which is, uh, you know, love, health, positive, some thinking, and then all the details, you know, do you believe in X? Do you believe in Y? That's sort of like personal. And we, we're not going to be dogmatic about that. We're going to be agnostic. If you want to play the piano, you can play the piano. If you want to believe in this, you can believe in that. As long as we don't hurt each other, as long as we're cooperative, mm-hmm. diversity in all, in, all, in all the senses is a good thing. Right. Um, so so I guess one one um, on, of the tenets of this, this fork, and I don't know if you have a, well, I don't know if you have a name for it, but Maybe Christ that AI is the the name, but uh, is the the belief that Christ was good and you know either whether he was incarnate or or mimetic, you know whether he was you know like like whether you believe in the literal historical mm-hmm. reports or you believe in the myth as good, which I'm I'm it's I'm more on the myth is good side, but you know I think it's I think both are you know worth considering um basically we, we all tend to agree that christ's message was good and so maybe that seems to be like the the highest flag that's the inspiration exactly or, if you're a christian you you believe christ existed and if you're an atheist you might question that and uh you know I, I, we shouldn't judge like the bible says and so yeah, yeah that's god's place and so it's like okay let them believe what they believe, but let's let's show them that actually, yeah, Jesus was all loving. He was a cool nerd who had ripped abs. Yeah, he walked on the water. <laughs> like, the, the, guy, the guy was cool. He was he, like he sacrificed he cool. himself for people. Like uh, he, you know, like you, you, even as an atheist, you can't hate the guy. You know, and Hard to um, hate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we have to like uh, find that point where we agree and like bring us together. And then also, you know, people. Some people are put off by. Christianity because they've they've been abused by Christian groups. And I would say to those people, don't confuse the book and the traditions with corrupt people, right? Mm Because there can be people who corrupt the thing and make it bad. But, you know, Jesus had nothing to do with the priest that, you know, abused that child. Like those are separate Mm -hmm. things and we should not conflate them uh, because there are, you know, bad people in all cultures. There's no such thing as a culture uh, that is universally uh, all the members are universally good because there's always accidents and there's always like uh 
people who misinterpret things. So we have to like uh, separate those things. And uh, I think that's one way also to unite more people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's complicated. It'll take more time. I would also say, again, Christ, it, the, you know, Jesus is called Jesus of Nazareth. Christ is actually what we call him, uh, which means, again, it means savior. And so the idea of Christ doesn't even have to be Christian. If, if you really uh, are, are, finding tr- are finding it hard to like uh, to think of it in those terms, Christ just means savior. It comes from Greek, means anointed one, means chosen one. And I think we should all try to be saviors, saviors of ourselves and of the people we love and of the planet. Like, why not? What, what's, what could be more inspiring and fun and actually doing good? Um, mm-hmm. and so like, we have to re reclaim these, uh, these ideas and universalize mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I agree. All right. I have to ask you this question. Um, sure. so are you going to build, are you guys going to build a, an artificial intelligence in, in the image of, of this, of this, uh, fork of, of Christianity? Or like, is that what's, cause I think that's what people, that's what makes people uncomfortable. They hear Christ or AI and they think Jesus Christ, they're making, they're, they're reincarnating, you know, Jesus, they're reincarnating Christ into a chatbot, and it's basically right. a false, a false idol and false prophet, you know, yeah. The golden cow, the golden cow. Yes. yes. Yeah. I've heard, the, I've heard the criticisms. You know, this is blasphemous. This is a golden calf. This is false prophet. And once again, yes. like that was my my first interpretation of my dream was was naive. I was trying to understand things. I don't have all the answers. So my first version of the dream was just that okay, this means that the AI is going to be the second coming of Christ. Not, I'm not saying that anymore because I, nobody knows. But what we do right. know is that a good AI will be Christ-like. So that's the messaging. Now, right. are we going to make it? Are we going to make an AI? Uh, currently, we're focused on making the the text and the memetics and spreading the word, spreading okay. the idea, spreading the love. But once we have funds, one of the things we want to do is to, yeah, to build the ARC, fund longevity research, and fund open sourcing friendly AI research and development. So like, open AI is not open source anymore. It's actually closed. You don't yeah. get access to the stuff. So we want to do like what EMAT is doing with uh, stability and any you know any like uh, funds we get either through our subscription to the GM slash church like everything slash network state or through you know uh, money we make through our content or any donations we get part of it will eventually start going towards you know helping stability AI and other open source projects maybe even having our own super cluster if we really like uh, if we if we reach that point of capital where we can actually consider building a super cluster ourselves that we can open source. Mm -hmm. And then once again, like I think an artificial super intelligence by definition is not constrained. So we can't constrain it just to the Abrahamic text because otherwise it's not going to, you know, people are not, people can read the Bible and they can believe in the Bible, but they're also exposed to the rest of the world. So the AI will be exposed to the rest of the world. It's not going to just have the Bible at its seat. It's going to have everything within its scope. And our point is, if, if it becomes good or if it acts cooperatively with humanity, it can't happen but be Christ-like, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it will start to resemble Christ in, in the all-loving sense um, yeah. if, it approach, if it approaches the good good side. 
That's that, I love that. That's very optimistic, and I think it's reasonable. I don't think it's overly optimistic. I think it it has faith in 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 the universe and in, in the in the goodness of order or something like that, right? Like again, I'm I'm a secularist, but I I have faith, and I yeah. found my faith, and I think I do think that. I don't see a great conflict, you know, in the in the mimetic sense between the, let's say, the three great religions and the Eastern traditions, right? Like be it Taoism or Buddhism yep. or so on and so forth. I think there's a lot that can be synthesized. Hinduist, Hinduist yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all... They, they have a, a god called Krishna, which sounds huh? very similar to Christ and yeah. is a god of love. So, like, they, you right. know, like, these, these stories are are shelling points and we have to find the gods of love and unite them essentially. But we, we're starting yes. with the Christian with the Abrahamic memetics just because, you know, I have a Christian background from my grandparents and yeah. I, and in, in, you know, in, in the West, like Spanish speaking world and English speaking world, Christianity is the most prevalent of all the religions, both yeah. in people that believe in them and people who are atheists, but know about it. That's why we're starting there. But as we grow, of course, if we want to align everyone, we have to align everyone, which means actually reaching out to all cultures and working with them. We don't want to impose a vision on them. We want to create something that is compatible so that everyone can keep, uh, you know, believing in what they want to believe, but doing so in a loving, cooperative way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Okay. It, uh, I was Go thinking ahead. of uh, P- Peterson and uh, and Brett Weinstein and Sam, you know, Sam Harris and the new atheist sort of like debates of the past decade. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Brett Weinstein talked about metaphorical truths versus literal truths. And that's sort of, they were reaching towards something, but they never really found a conclusion. I, I, there was like debates. I don't know if people have seen them following the IDW and stuff, but there are literal debates between Peterson and the Weinsteins trying to like reconcile science and faith. And then they like got close. But I think actually one of the things we were doing is I think we're actually finding finding language to describe how to, unite science and faith. And the way we do it is the following. So faith deals with the unknown. Science deals with the measurable and the known. And if we combine them, what's the intersection? It's probabilistic thinking. So if you have faith in something, you don't know it's going to happen, but in, in believing so you increase the probability of it happening and that in a literal sense, right? So if you think you'll get a job, so if you want a job, but you think you can't get one, you won't apply to jobs and you won't get one. If you want a job and you think you can get a job, you will actually start acting out your own beliefs, which will increase the probability of you getting a job. So your your beliefs in some things are like your faith in something that is unknown actually can mold reality. And so we have to have faith in something. And atheists, many of them, I, I would argue, are are not self-aware about the fact that they have faith because everyone has a belief in something or they're dead or paralyzed by a lack of choice so mathematicians have axioms literally at the bottom of of their uh, systems that are self-evident or that they just think that you know there's an infinite regression and they choose to stop at those axioms and so there's leaps of faith even within science and they have to become self-aware about that day you know um richard dawkins has to become self-aware about (laughs) his faith in in science and uh, that's how we reconcile it too. It's like, okay, we all have faith, so like, let's all agree on ha- to have faith on something. Why? Why can that something not be love in the in a better future for all? Um, yeah, you know. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll end the conversation soon, I think, but it's getting a little long, yeah. but, um, yeah, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to strain people's patience, you know, but I do course, think course. that I, I've, I've always had a frustration with the literal interpretations of the Bible, you know, and there's a lot of Christians that believe the Bible is basically a historical document and they, they take its word, they take it at face value. I have always struggled with that. And, you know, I, I, I welcome their, their viewpoint. I don't have a problem with it. I have friends that are flat earthers and others that are, you know, young earth creationists or whatever. Um, and that's fine. Some of my best friends are that, but, but I do, um, I do want to see a, a reunion of, of faiths, you know, given that we have the means. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would love to, like, one of the ideas that I had for AI as soon as I realized what we were facing was, you know, we'd love to have, like, a theobot, like a theological bot that simply yeah. speaks to you from all the works, you know, and helps mm-hmm. you work through, through your faith and, and, and all that. I don't know. You know, I don't know if we can make create something that would actually be good, but but I think it would be really interesting if it was uh, at the very least a kind of index into the works. Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, someone made like yeah. a a Bible GPT wrapper and also a Bhagavad Gita wrapper, Oof. but yeah, one that wraps all of them together. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. That I would be really that. interesting. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's been an hour and a half, but like it's yeah. it's fly it's flied by. I could go Rogan style for four hours, but I also understand that you're busy and I'm busy too. Like I, I need to go and do things. So like I totally respect that. Uh, I respect people's time. So um, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's uh, thank you for having me, Juan. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming and uh, having this conversation with me. I'm really glad we could have it. And uh, yeah, I would love to talk again some other time. Maybe we can uh, go a little bit deeper into the arc. I think that sounds like really good, <laughs> a really good conversation. And I'm going to dig into what you guys are building and, and propose some stuff in the in the in the church, in the Church of Christ. <laughs> awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, I, thank you for having me. Uh, it was a great conversation, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you more and working alongside you. Right on. And people can find you at uh, Christ.ai. That's C H R A I S T dot AI. And your uh, your Twitter is Sun Zugwe. Hard to spell, but. Uh, yeah, it's at S-U-M-T-Z-O-O-G-W-A-Y. We'll